0: You know, all of the talk about maybe he's just not a good fit in Dable and Kafka's offense, which I never believed for a second. The thoughts of would he get cut if Colin Johnson didn't get hurt? Well, I guess we'll never know the answer to that because Colin Johnson unfortunately got hurt. But injuries create opportunity. And Darius Slayton is not some, you know, as you would like to call him a grandpappy. I mean, I guess he is in a wide receiver room, but he's not some kind of old guy who you can't expect to be here. I know that he's going to be a free agent. Injuries create opportunity, Paul. And Darius Slayton today... The offense, when you saw him running routes, looked different. It looked like there was a part of the playbook that we had not seen in a couple of weeks because Galladay isn't providing that. David Sills, no offense on that side. He's just not providing the kind of burst speed plays that Slayton creates that separation. The Giants don't have receivers that create separation. It was like seeing something new, a new shiny toy on Christmas morning this morning. And you know what? For all the talk about what Slayton dealt with whoever, he's allowed to impress his coaching staff the rest of the way and play himself into another contract. That is allowed. You're not just written off because you're there because of that. You know, you didn't get traded any of that. Uh, I think Darius Slayton, for better or for worse, even as these guys come back and Tony and Wandel at some point, Darius Slayton's got to be on the football field. And you'll live with the drops, but he creates a certain element that they don't have on offense and hadn't had all year. Fourth year in the league, Sean.
1: So he's in his prime as far as I'm concerned. And he's always had the skills and the talent to be a, a higher level receiver in this league. It's always been mental with him. The drop season have always been a mental thing. And then, of course, we've also seen some flashes of, I, I don't, I don't want to say uh, a brain lock, but, you know, we've discussed some of his faux pas over the course of the last few weeks, things that just were inexcusable. But, again, I don't know if they had told him earlier in the week, But he put in the extra work, and whatever happened, he was a very integral part of that offense today. And God knows, Daniel Jones knows the guy and can trust the guy. He's been throwing to him for how many years now? You know, this is not like it's coming out of the blue.
0: No, you're absolutely right. And and just quickly – before we get to the defensive side, and there's a lot of heroes there and somebody that you've been all over here for two weeks on the positive side deserves a lot of credit. I also want to talk about the coaching staff in this light too. You know, when Saquon went down, number one, good for them, not just letting Saquon talk himself back into the game. Go get that x-ray and then come back. We'll put you back in. And such an an unfamiliar sight to see Saquon Barkley leave a game and come back after getting checked on injuries because of all the injuries dealt with. What an emotional uplift that must have meant to all those guys in the locker room. We go, oh, Saquon's good we haven't seen this happen with Saquon, but on top of that, Paul, you think about how critical a player Saquon Barkley is. Some might call him the NFL's MVP here through the first five games. The idea, again, with Matt Breida and Gary Brightwell, that the playbook remained the same. They were running the same runs, getting very solid production. That's not a knock on Saquon at all. It's just the idea the coaching staff said, again, with that position too, next man up, it doesn't matter. We keep running these plays. It was so evident in the run game too. And
1: you know, let's let's just go right to the crux of Gary Brightwell's situation. He powers in a two-yard touchdown run in the fourth quarter, and if you know, you remember at that point you didn't know if Barkley was coming back right. because his shoulder his shoulder had been banged up. And here's Brightwell plowing up the middle, getting a surge from the offensive line. Believe it or not, running right up the back of Ben Brettison at left guard, and then. Getting a push himself as Evan Neal and Myrick. Middle, yeah. Yeah. Neal and Myrick pushed Brightwell from behind to make sure they finished the surge and got him into the end zone. Sean, it's not just enough for the players and coaches to believe in each other and vice versa. The players themselves fight for and believe in their teammates. And that's what you saw on that Brightwell touchdown. And then. Barkley comes back into the game and who threw the block to spring him for the game-winning touchdown,
0: Gary Brightwell. And by the way, Gluwinski was out there too. Gluwinski had a much better game. Gary Brightwell gets a badge of honor. Uh, Now to the defense, Paul, let's just start with this name because there's a lot of names we got to get to here that were incredible and had incredible moments. Jalen Smith was all over the football field and, and they play, of the inside linebacker room. And Tate Crowder was fine. He wasn't the great player he was a week ago, but he did his job this week, I thought, throughout. I I don't want this to turn into Austin Caletro being knocked left and right because he is who he was. He was starting to be in the camp. But night and day with Jalen Smith is brought to the inside linebacker room. On, I mean, just jumps off the TV when he's coming sideline to sideline making some of these hits. He is exactly what I told you he was. And he has
1: mitigated. The loss of Leonard Williams during the last two weeks against very strong running games—it's really that simple. And I, look, I get it. He doesn't have the, all the athleticism that he had when he came out of Notre Dame. Well, he got hurt that last year. I get it. Okay, he's—he's he's not that Pro Bowl linebacker anymore. But what he does do to provide downhill gap penetrating run stuffing. That's something the Giants badly needed and it came at a perfect time when they got him into the lineup.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And now, you know, I mentioned Crowder, you know what, before we get to the secondary here, because that's another story, Dexter Lawrence, uh, he's got to be the MVP of the defense at this point, doesn't he? I mean, what he is doing here in, in his fourth year is just Paul it's, it's unbelievable. It is unbelievable what he's become. And not only his run stuffing, his leadership clearly, he's got that captaincy now, but his ability to finish in the backfield on these pass rush moves, even if there's, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau leads them up into that sack. It doesn't matter. Dexter Lawrence is finishing, finishing and creating negative plays for this defense.
1: You know what's interesting, Sean? The previous regime was playing him more as a defensive end. And now, of course, his responsibilities, he gained a little bit more weight and his responsibilities are more as an interior defensive tackle, much more than he was as a defensive end. It has brought out the best in him. Clearly, Wink Martindale had this in mind from the moment that he got here during the entire offseason. They had told Dexter Lawrence what they were going to do with him. They were going to change up his playbook, and it has worked marvelously well. That's one of the reasons why if you remember, when the Giants had to decide to pick up the fifth-year option on him several months ago, there were some people who were kind of curious. Giants always let their defensive tackles go through free agency. They never resign them to a second contract. Well, should they pick this guy's fifth-year up or not? And and there seemed to be a lot of debate about it. But Wink Martindale knew he could bring out more in him with, with kind of this position change and that's why they picked up the option.
0: And thank, thankfully they did, because you see the, the contracts like Austin Johnson got, you know, guys that we've seen around here get really, really big paydays. At least we kind of get that fair value here next year, but they're going to have to work out a long-term deal because Dexter Lawrence has earned it. And by the way, you're talking about guys drafted in the first round. Not many of them have earned those second contracts with the Giants no, in recent years. Not it's at all. Good to, it's good to see Dexter Lawrence have it now. Paul, we have come full circle from training camp on in both of our extreme needs, right? You wanted to see more depth added to the safety room. Well, Tony Tony Jefferson went out there and played a ton. We saw... Pinnock, who by the way made a great play on the punt in special teams, he gets accidentally hit. The beat smacked that ball out. A very underrated moment of that game, Paul. Huge. We got. We talked about special teams going in. I, I was gonna get to the defense, but I forgot about that moment too. That reminded me of uh, was it Michael Johnson? Who was it in, in, with the Packers in that fumble in the NFC Championship game? Remember, he smacked. I mean, against San Francisco. Was it San Francisco? Why did I think it was Green Bay and Lambeau late in the fourth quarter? But maybe well, there, was. there, was, a, there,
1: there, was, there yeah. was a play where RW McQuarters had one in uh, right. in Lambeau. And yeah.
0: and then obviously uh San Francisco had a couple of fumble right. kicks. That was with Jaquan, that, Jaquan Williams. Yes, ja- but I was right. specifically, and it it was Lambeau, it's coming to me. Michael Johnson was Mike, am I getting the name right? Michael Johnson, our old yeah. backup safety. Yes, okay. Yeah. He makes well, he a started- play. Now. Yeah, I think it was R.W. McCordis who muffed the punt. And he yeah. makes the play where the Packers are about to recover. And he gets underneath and he swats it out. And that's exactly yep. what Pinnock did. Such an underrated moment because you would have gave the Packers the ball back plus territory right then and there. But anyway, long story longer. We're talking about all the safeties you wanted. I had said they needed you know, depth in the cornerback room. Aaron Robinson, we may not see him the whole year. Darnay Holmes, doing fine job nickel corner. Dory Jackson goes down in this game. We're already down to Fabian Moreau, who they signed off the streets. Uh, you know, McLeod, who came in uh, from Buffalo, signed off the streets. And then we still had Justin Lane, who was cut by Pittsburgh late. All of these guys were not with the Giants in camp. And all of them, as the Packers are refusing to run the ball late to try to win the game, are making stops left and right, Paul. Stop <laughs> <right>. <laughs> I'm going to tell
1: you something. I can't explain how they did it. I know this from the very get-go. Jerome Henderson, the secondary coach, had been heaped, heaped, and heaped on with praise from both Brian Dayball and Wink Martindale. They did not want to lose him when they came in to this staff. They insisted that Jerome Henderson stay. They, they were so enamored with him. Wink has said so many times he's one of the best in the league. And I don't think a lot of people even know who he is, other than he played in the NFL for a while and right. was even with the Jets, right? Right. But I, I I can't say enough because you're right. I mean, think about these spare parts that were patched up and thrown into a critical situation and were entrusted with making plays. And somehow they found a way to do it. It 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 was something to behold.